0: Iterative processes that include writing test code and production code together, such as TDD, help make coding fun. All of us that care about developing quality code with the help of testing can learn from each other, of course, regardless of the programming language. Today, we step outside of our normal Python comfort zone and talk with Geo about TDD in Swift. Thanks, Geo, for this great interview, and thank you, Datadog, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Testing Code. I am super excited today on Testing Code to have Gio on the show, um, short for Giovanni, which is a cool name. And uh, Gio, you're in Australia, right?
1: Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm um, in Australia. It's currently 2 p.m. here, so I need to say thank you for taking the time. It's late in the evening in your time zone. So, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you bet. It's, it's my pleasure. So you're writing a book on TDD, right?
1: Yeah, correct. Um, I'm writing a book on test-driven development in Swift. There's actually the title of the book, Test-Driven Development in Swift. is going to be published at the end of June, unless uh, something breaks in the in the pipeline. Yep, Um very excited.
0: Wow. That's just right around the corner. Promotion. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, congratulations. This Is your first book?
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Did you, were you a blogger? Did you write um, on the side before? Yeah.
1: This? Yeah. So the the publisher, a press contacted me because they um, discovered my work through my blog. I, okay. I've been blogging about a, uh, testing and test-driven development for, for yeah. iOS developers since uh, 2015, more or less. I Before having children, I was able to keep up a pretty regular weekly schedule. Kids arrive and they mix up your life for the better. But uh, yeah, I haven't been really on the spot on the weekly post-release train for a while.
0: A Weekly, that's a, that's a good goal. Actually, before we get into testing too much, I don't know much about Swift.
1: So Swift is a programming language that uh, Apple uh, developed and introduced in, uh, if memory serves me right, 2014. So is relatively new as programming languages go, but um, it's been introduced by Apple, and uh, they already had this massive user base of developers, so it had a very fast adoption. Yeah. And uh, uh, it uh, was designed to, to replace Objective C, which is the language on which uh, we were with we we were developing uh, applications before. And uh, is a, is a lovely programming language. I really really like it. It uh, it picks up the the best bits of of many others, and um, I guess. You often have um, guests on the show to talk about Python. Yeah, it. Um, I am very green in Python, but my understanding is that uh, Python is a dynamic language that is interpreted. Is that correct?
0: It's kind of both interpreted and compiled, but it's compiled to bytecode at runtime. So, okay, you can think of it as an interpreted language. And it's not too far off.
1: Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, Python as a, a dynamic type system, right? Like if I write uh, something, I don't need to say this is going to be a string or, or do Darn. I...
0: You don't have to declare your types ahead of time.
1: Yeah. In, a big difference in Swift is that it has a strong type system. So the code needs to know what the compiler needs to know the type of everything. Yeah. And, uh, and that's pretty cool. It adds... A bit of overhead in how fast you can write code, but um I feel like you get a lot of benefits from, from so, having the types.
0: So I'm familiar with C and C as well. Does it? I don't know if you've uh, are, are familiar with either of those. So uh,
1: back in the uni days. Too rusty <laughs> to say something. Okay, but
0: but does Swift feel like a C like language? Like I mean, like Objective C and and C sharp kind of felt like, and JavaScript even feels like a derivative of, of C. Um, is mm-hmm. a, is Swift completely different and more like a? Well, I guess
1: uh, I would say it's more similar to to um, JavaScript and TypeScript than it would be okay. to Python. But again, um, neither is my forte. So yeah, yeah, I'm not up...
0: But you you mentioned in uh, in some of the emails that we've exchanged that I'd uh, say so I'm I'm a complete newbie in, in Swift uh, like newbie in that I haven't touched it at all. Um, so, uh, but it is a compiled thing, though, right? You, it's not an interpreted language.
1: Yeah it has a it has a compiler, okay. and um, that's um, I, I feel like it is a, is a superpower because the compiler is. It's like when you do pair programming, and so there's you're driving and writing the code, and your pair is next to you asking questions and helping you out. And uh, that's the same thing with the compiler, uh, it always picks up all sorts of error that you might be making. I don't know, this function returns a string, but you're asking, you're treating it like an array, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It removes all of them.
0: Okay, but it does that bit of a compiler i'm curious about the workflow stuff so we we do want to jump into tdd actually let's just start with tdd you um clearly you you are a practic- uh, well i assume you're a practitioner of t- test driven development since you're writing a book about it
1: uh, i i am i, I feel <laughs> uh, i feel naked when i work in a code base without uh, tests and um, yeah i always try to even in a codebase that doesn't have testing, I try to add tests for the code that, that I introduce. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, but that 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 um, in a lot of uh, like a lot of test-driven development tutorials, have this like quick feedback cycle. Introducing a compiler in the middle of it does throw a wrench in things a little bit, right? Yeah, you're also saying it's an iOS thing. Okay, so I wrote some Swift code for like maybe something that's gonna eventually live on a on a phone or something. Yeah, do I have to run it on the phone, or do I can I run it on my computer? Or
1: Uh, all right, yeah, yeah. Um, So Swift is a language that can be used um, for for many different things. You can um, you can it it runs on Linux as well. Um, The you, you can use it on Linux and macOS. You can write um, a script in Swift and run it with the Swift toolchain. So you can do many things, but definitely, yeah, it is um, mostly used to build uh, iOS uh, and macOS applications. There's a few frameworks for Swift in the server. And uh, thanks to uh, hosting providers like IBM, you can deploy your Backend written in Swift for the server, but oh, wow. uh, I yeah, it's it's pretty neat. I don't know of any like company that that uses it, but um, I'm sure I'm sure there are some. And, but even
0: um, if some like even if your code is targeting a, a, a mobile device, yeah. if you can run it on your computer, then you can run tests on it on your
1: computer. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so the, the 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 main way to to Right. Swift code would be through Xcode, the, the IDE that Apple provides. Okay. The, there are other, but definitely you need to jump a f- few hoops to to configure them. Or maybe you want to use the um, JetBrains IDE, the name escapes me, Upcode. I think that's the mm-hmm. name, Upcode. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's assume that you're using the standard tool chain and you're using Xcode. Um, and yeah, you can run the app and your test through through the simulator. Apple spins up a simulator and um, they add a chrome around it so it looks like a phone. And uh, yeah, you have like a very accurate experience of how it would be on the phone. Have you ever wondered what your
0: code is spending time on? How much CPU or memory it consumes? And how you can optimize it with Datadog APM and Continuous Profiler? you can investigate every service and individual request in testing and in production all the time and visualize bottlenecks with the Datadog Flame Graph. Gain code-level insights on CPU utilization, memory allocation, lock contention, garbage collection, and more. To optimize your code, reduce latency, improve your user experience, and save on cloud costs. Visit testandcode.com Datadog to start a free trial and get a free Datadog t-shirt. So that's Swift and compiling. Um, how does test-driven development work in this, and what is test-driven development?
1: Okay, yeah. Um, I'll answer this question the uh, the long way around. So yeah. we have we have testing right. So we we, we write code and uh, we write our our functions, our programs, and then we want to know if they work properly. And uh, a way is to just Launch them, run them in whatever environment they are, and go through the, the user flow that would trigger a certain behavior. Um, this is certainly a way to verify the behavior, but it it um, takes time, and uh, and uh, it 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 also victim of all the flaws of of our mind. We can forget something, we can miss something, so. Um, a an alternative way to verify the behavior of our code is to write test okay and so we are using code to test other code then the problem i see with writing the test after the code has been written is um, sometimes we don't write code with with the test in mind so it might be a bit hard to write a test for this code because we didn't design it from that point of view and anyway if we see the test pass, we only know that we've seen the, the success in the test. We are not sure that it's going to catch an, an issue in the code. So to be 100% sure, I'm usually a bit paranoid about my code. One would have to go back and introduce a, like a bug in the code on purpose, like command something, change a true to a false, that sort of stuff, to see the test fail. Uh, test-driven development spins it around and says, okay, first I'm going to write my my test, which is for the code that I haven't written yet. So the test is going to fail in in some way because it lacks the the real implementation. And then this already shows me that this test is somehow accurate because it shows a failure if the code doesn't work and the code doesn't work because I haven't written it yet. Then the, the next step is, do the smallest bit of implementation that comes to mind to make the test pass. Once you see the te- that the test pass, you can start um, a quick loop of changes. So I make a little change and run the test again, and if the test is still green, then I know that my change was was correct. And um, this would be the the refactor step in the in the TDD workflow, which would be red, green. Refactor. So yeah, this is um, te- test-driven development in a, in a nutshell, I would say, and uh, we can touch on that later. But this simple technique uh, has a lot of benefits when applied consistently over time. Um, I think your question was about, well, um, I need to compile the code, I need to run it in the in the simulator. So doesn't this um, slow down the, the feedback loop doesn't it add a bit of extra steps yes um yeah it it, it does in the sense that um if we compare it to, to Ruby I did some some testing in, in Ruby in the past and um Ruby being um an interpreted language you can write a test and for a method that doesn't exist yet and the test is gonna say hey I didn't find this method. This is the error. In If you were to do that in Swift, you wouldn't get a test error. You would get a compiler error. The compiler would tell you it would fail to compile the, right. the application. So, and this is why um, I say that um, the compiler is part of the test-driven development feedback cycle because it helps you find this kind of um, early issues.
0: Yeah, but okay. So let's say you've got you get to the point where you have a method you can call, or how do you even call it then? So with with Swift with the test framework in Swift, um, can you uh, is the is the test compiled with your code? Is it part of it, and how? Yeah. Or is it an external thing, and you have to have an API or?
1: Okay. Okay. Um, A few years after the introduction of Swift, uh, Apple uh, developed uh, Swift packages, which are um, like um, just self-contained libraries. It works a bit different for Swift packages, um, so I'm not going to... Touch on that. I'll I'll keep focusing on Xcode for for the sake of the conversation. So in in Xcode for an iOS or a macOS application, you have the application target, which is where all the source code of the app lives, and then you can create a new target, which is the the test target. You can have two types of targets: the unit test target and the UI test target. Oh, okay. For the that's handy <laughs> the, yeah yeah the, the 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 main difference between the two is that ui tests are they look at the application as a black box like a, and they interact through it like a user would so you cannot call instantiate classes or call methods of your code base you can only tap the ui yeah. in, interact with the ui and um, that is super handy you can write a uh, um, high level test with that that uh, verify end to end user journeys but um, to write that kind of st- that kind of test you need to have all the implementation done already so i i don't recommend it i've never seen anyone using ui tests for for test driven development because you, you lack all that bit of you would have to write a lot of code before seeing a, a green test. And that is yeah. the opposite of what test-driven development pushes you to, which is moving in very small increments. So um, this leads us with the UI test target. And that is, um, you write your test, you import the the application target, and you get access to, to all of this code. So you can instantiate any any object, call any function, use any of the types in your code base, in your application code base. And um, Apple provides this framework, it's called XCTest, which is your usual XUnit style um, test framework. So you create um, a test case class, and every function that starts with test is going to be the the test runner is going to pick it up and ra- run the code. And if everything is fine, it's going to tick it at green, otherwise, it's going to report a failure.
0: Okay. And then I assume it's got like setup and teardown procedures you can.
1: Yeah. It has both the, the um, before every test or before um, all of the tests. So yeah. I can run once. And then, or I can run it before each of the tests. Yeah, that's a better way to say it.
0: Now, um, are you mostly targeting a lot of your testing around functional stuff, like um, making sure a you know an a, a function that takes input and produces output um, is that the type of testing you're doing, or are there state-based testings that you're using, working with, or you kind of do both?
1: Good question. I would say um, I would I lean more towards like the input output style of test because um, those are the easiest tests to write. And um, regardless of test driven development, once you start writing tests seriously, you you soon discover that uh, usually. Code that is easy to test is also easy to work with in the code base because the tests are nothing but another consumer of the API that your code exposes. And uh, something that I love about test-driven development is it puts this pressure on on you as a developer to, to write code that is easy to test, hence easy to work with, because as soon as you start, like, ah, the setup for this test is taking a while to write. I need to instantiate this object and this object. Then the the light bulb turns on. Huh? Maybe this ob- this class that I want to test is doing too much, or I thought um, I'm designing it with too many input parameters, something like that. So it's yeah, a, it-
0: definitely. Like like um, many times, I've had a had a function that totally made sense when I was thinking about it. Um, and I even wrote like maybe a couple tests that made sense uh, at the time, and then but the like maybe there's three or four parameters that go into the function, and and then I get into a situation where I'm trying to write I'm trying to extend the test suite, and I don't know what to fill in for some of the parameters, so. Um, there's some use cases that there's nothing to go in there or I don't know that information yet. I'll learn it later. So, um, yeah, so it, it's um, it's a way to test the API to make sure the, not, not necessarily A in the API, like, like our big level capital level APIs. Um, it's just like the interface to a function or the interface to a class. Um, is it, is it use, if you can't use it as a test, then it's not going to be fun to use later in development, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that goes back to the to the feedback cycle. It feedback, as in information that comes back to, to you, the software writer, to give you some guidance on some I'm trying to find a, a, a word that is not feedback to describe this process. Um, gives you some input on the the quality, the how ergonomic how your code works both from a correctness point of view and also from how easy it is to consume, to work with.
0: Yep, and yeah, even sometimes just a day, a day delay, one of those sleep on it sort of things. You can come back to code that totally made sense yesterday, come back to it the next day, and you're like, oh my God, these tests are ugly. I really hate this. Uh, I really got to change the interface.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely. It's crazy what our mind does in the background um, i many times i go in um i go down a rabbit hole and i like uh, you know i don't get up from a chair for two hours because i just keep coding and coding and coding i want to fix this issue and then either i have the self-awareness to, to stop or more more usually my kids need something so i need to i need to leave and um, then i come back with a um, relatively fresh mind and Ta-dan, um, I find a solution I- immediately.
0: Yeah. And it's it's like you're kicking yourself. You're like, oh my gosh, if I, if I had just like given up two hours earlier, I would have gotten two hours extra sleep and not have lost any work at all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so true. So true. Um, th- this is actually, um, this is a good, what, what you say about, I I wouldn't have lost uh, hours of sleep and uh, today I would feel fresh instead of tired and um So your productivity stays at a constant level instead of like really uh, being um, suffered from from that stint of um, working through the night. That is something that uh, I find um, a a common um, critique or um, question against test-driven development that uh, that comes up is the fact that uh, it, it takes longer to write code because um, you have to go back and forth and also you're writing these tests so um, depending on the ratio at which you write test again, test again s- source code production code you know like um, if the only thing that we were to measure was uh, key, key taps and line of code written obviously writing tests on top of the code takes longer But the fact is, testing itself, and in particular test-driven development, they help you write code that is easier to work with. So in the long run, it is going to be easier to to maintain and to make changes to your code base. So that little um, delta in writing your code it takes longer to to finish writing that piece of code because you're adding the test. Shh, over don't,
0: don't, don't tell anybody.
1: <laughs> over <laughs> over time, um, helps you move way faster because it's easier to make changes.
0: Yeah, I, uh, maybe I'm just doing it different, but it's it's always faster to me. It's it's always been faster to write tests and code at the same time. Um, um, now. It's. I've just never. I've never experienced the that it's slower to write tests and code at the same time. Um, uh, so. um, um,
1: I, I tend to agree. Uh, again, as I said, if if the only thing that you measure was the the line of codes that that it take to it takes to make a certain feature happen, um, writing ten lines for just the source code or Twenty lines for source code and test would take longer, but we are not just writing the 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 lines of code for the source, right? We are we are verifying that it works correctly. We are making the software fit with the rest of the application. We're going through the implementation as as we go along. So yeah, not being able to run automated tests on the code really slows you down. most of the times that I add tests to new code bases, is because I I just can't stomach having to go through all the manual steps that I need to verify every little change that I make, and so I write an automated test, and that does it for me.
0: Yeah, um, but there's a there's a lot of places I want to go before we wrap things up. Um, you, uh, so you've written you've written a book, you you got the first draft done, but the official first draft, so. Did you, did you just start at like page one and write the whole thing without making any changes? And, uh, and then at the end, turn it in? Um, or did you, did you rewrite some stuff?
1: Oh, man. I wish it was that easy. It, it's been um, very hard.
0: So there's rewrites. There's a, there's this, this might be the first draft you turned in, but you, you changed uh, things.
1: Okay, no, so I say I understand what you mean. The what I turned in is is the final draft. It was okay. the fourth rewrite, end to end rewrite of the book.
0: Right. Um, so that's where I'm getting is that's what I that's what I really love about tests. Because I tell people that the the most qualified person to write any bit of code is somebody that's already written it once. So um, a test allows you to get it right once. And then completely rewrite all of your code if you have to. Yeah. Um, and the tests are there to make sure that you don't miss something and you can get it done. Um, and that that freedom to, to, to go into part of your code and then go, I don't understand this function, even though I wrote it three months ago. So I'm going to yeah. rewrite it. And yeah. I've got the tests to verify that I'm going to get it right. That is so liberating. Absolutely. You can create code that you're proud of. So,
1: yeah, the word that you use, liberating, uh, really resonates with me. Um, I find that having the the, the test driven development process in particular, because first you write write a test, then you write the the simplest code that comes to mind to make that test pass. The couples detaches, uh, separates the the job of getting the code right and then getting the code nice, getting the code yeah. to fit in the standard of the code base. Kent back the creator, or as he describes himself, the rediscoverer of test-driven development, has this quote, which is, make it work make it right, make it fast. And um, yeah, I think it really encapsulates this iteration-based way of working that um, I feel test-driven development really helps you to um, achieve in a structured way. But regardless, having tests, having something that uh, really quickly allows you to verify the quality of your changes, um enables you to iterate in this way
0: so we've been talking mostly about test room development and I think around like developer level tests like um, whether they're functions themselves or classes or modules or packages um, they're from a developer's perspective there's user perspective tests too of like does this does this functionality work from the user's perspective how does does do you have testing like that in your development workflow, or does somebody else take care of that? Or
1: okay, yeah, yeah, um, great question. So, well, I'll give you some some context of um, writing books. Writing one book on test driven development is not my full time job. Um, so, as by day, I work as a mobile infrastructure engineer for Automatic. Automatic is the company behind uh, WordPress.com and other products in the WordPress ecosystem like WooCommerce. We also have a note-taking application called SimpleNote. And uh, as part of my job as a mobile infrastructure engineer, combined with my passion with testing, I um, I help the different teams at the mobile teams at Automatic. Um, let's say ship. Great code on a schedule. This is, um, yeah, very buzzwordy way to describe my job. But uh, uh, getting practical, yeah, recently I've, we've been we've been talking about with my team about uh, UI testing and, and automation how to write this kind of um, user level test that makes sure that um, all the pieces are connected properly. Because what you get uh, with test driven development with, with unit test is High coverage of the the units in isolation, you can um, complement that with higher level still uh, automated unit kind of tests uh, that connect multiple units, but that still isn't the the real user experience. So for yeah. that, we we would use um, two kind of tests, uh, UI test. Which are the ones that we were talking about before? It is spin up the app as a black box and interact with it um, th- just through the UI. And another type of test is called snapshot testing, um, where you load screens in the app or view components and take um, the, the tooling, takes a snapshot of it, and then does a diff with a pre recorded. Um, source of truth, and uh, if the image diff doesn't match, it generates a test error. And um, depending on the framework and the tooling that you use, you can even see the actual diff. So I don't know, something was supposed to be a circle, but it ended up being a square, and so you would see the the inter yeah um, the intersection of the circle and the square in the diff, and just hey, this this doesn't match.
0: Nice. And and those sorts of things are really great for, um, like I we totally refactored one of the libraries, but we didn't intend to change any of the behavior, so um, the user shouldn't change any see any change.
1: Yep, I was I was. Other people use the word refactor when they really mean rewrite or or like <laughs> a changed generic change, but um, the. Actual meaning, original meaning, at least of refactoring, is changing the 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 factor of the code. So, how the code is works, um, how the code is implemented under the hood, without changing its outside behavior, and um, tests are, are great for that. I was speaking with someone recently, and they were saying that uh, they were planning a lot of work in the app. And I was, well, I would recommend investing in a few, putting up a lightweight suite of UI tests, of you, depending on the industry in which you work with, like a user acceptance test, functional test, acceptance test, some high-level test that uh, at least you have this safety net that you will know that uh, you haven't broken anything major end-to-end in your application.
0: Yeah, and you can target that. So, like, if somebody's... For instance, um, I don't know what kind of application. Like a, let's take simple note, like the note taking thing. Yeah. Um, if you were gonna uh, target, if you're refactoring something that would affect uh, maybe the recall of notes or something like that, then you can target the tests around that, and then go ahead and go ahead and do your refactor, and then go back and uh, run yeah. those and stuff. So yeah, that's a cool idea. Um, yeah, I feel actually. Uh, I feel very lucky after talking to you about this because in my entire career, I've been working with test equipment. So, um, And all of it has a, a, programmable, a programmable API. So there's, there is a user interface that's visual, but we don't have to test to it because everything is accessible through uh, an API as well. So that's uh, end-to-end tests don't have to be graphical.
1: That's pretty neat. What kind of test equipment um, do you work with?
0: Um, so it's communication test equipment. So uh, for actually, I've done a lot of stuff electronics over the years, but um, big most of my career has been around communication test boxes. So there. So let's say um, your uh, your mobile, your cell phone, or in tablet or something, it's talking to something over wireless. So it's either yeah. it's either Wi-Fi or and um, or LTE, or some other cellular standard. Yeah. Um, so the, the box I work on tests all of those things, all of the wireless standards. And then plus um, my focus right now is, uh, is Wi-Fi stuff, so some of the newer Wi-Fi standards.
1: And is that how you got into testing and developed your expertise?
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, so um, the uh, from the... Um, actually, so I followed, uh, I, I was reading in what the nineties or early two thousands, um, about, uh, extreme programming and, um, lightweight models and lightweight methods and, uh, pragmatic programmer and test driven development. And before test driven development was called that it was called test first programming, um, and all of that. And, uh, that just sort of threw a light bulb in my in my brain to say hey i think we could do this for us so um and also the test equipment i'm, I'm using is is compiled it's c plus um and the the <laughs> you would probably like hate the feedback cycle we've got compiling loading restarting the 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 instrument so that the new code is up anyway um
1: that's super interesting
0: since in the last 10 years and stuff i've been learning more python so there's a lot of projects I do that are pure Python based too, as well. You were talking about test driven development, mostly at, from a, like the smaller scale. And I, I take at it from a, the topper or sc- the upper scale. So I, I try to write the highest level test I can. Uh, that gives me information as a develop- developer. And it's interesting to see like, both perspectives work. Um, yep. And, uh, and the, they're a little. I actually think they're more in common than we probably let on. I probably end up writing more unit tests anyway because there's times where I jump down. So let's say I've got, uh, you know, like their simple node application example. I I want to recall some stuff. So I want to make sure that that system works. There's some way to call it through an API or something. Let's say, or at least a uh, like a, a package that I can say, hey, do the recall thing. Yeah. Um. And. If that test is enough, that's great. But if I've got to test something that's a, a little tighter, like algorithm bit, well, then I can jump in and write a test around that that uh, small algorithm,
1: the particular bit. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, and uh, Kent Beck, I think it was Kent Beck, maybe it was somebody else, talked about it as uh, running fast and slow. So you can run as fast as you want with higher level tests, but when you start tripping, then you slow yeah. down and do finer grain tests.
1: Yeah, so that's a nice way to put it. Yeah,
0: because I, I actually I have to tell you I I hate the refactor part. I mean I'm going to refactor anyway, but this this idea of like intentionally writing the wrong code and the wrong test, um, I'm impatient, so I'm going to attempt to write the right test and the right uh, the right implementation at first, yeah. even though it's going to be wrong.
1: Kent Beck talks about it in his book. Um, test-driven development, by example. And um, I don't recall the exact wording. Uh, he, he has a nice way to put it, but basically says um, obvious implementation, maybe is is his um, mnemonic. You should write the, the simplest one that comes to mind. If uh, what you're working on is, is straightforward, you shouldn't go out of your way to, to make it incorrect or or, or or wrong or um, suboptimal just so that you can get a bit of feedback or like or that you can tick the box in your checklist of this is how you do test driven development and um, i think that's totally true and this is um, the 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 wording the semantics matter right is right the the simplest one that 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 you come up with and uh, look often a simple implementation is is a correct one, is a, is an elegant one in its simplicity. So, yeah, just just go with that.
0: Well, and also, I actually got to tell you, a lot of times when I do that, I'm doing that also, but I'm writing the, the most obvious solution that I can think of. Even if there's times where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do the brute force method. Um, I'm just going to go and collect everything I need do the algorithm and do the output. And then I write the test and I'm I'm doing the test at the same time, of course. But then I look at it and I go to refactor it and I go, you know what? It's actually pretty readable and readability is what's really important to me. And I think, and then there's, there's other times where I try to refactor it to make it more elegant and it actually looks worse. It's harder to follow. So I go back to the original in the first place. And so I think, I think that uh, the uh, write it the most obvious way first. I think it was a trick that Kent put in the book to just try to get people to write obvious code more often.
1: Uh, possible, maybe you, you should get him on the show so he can give <laughs> us the backstory. That would be yeah. that would be a great conversation. He he's working on a new book. Um, I think the. He has a newsletter on Substack uh, where he occasionally shares um, ideas that he's working on for the book in a very test-driven fashion, I should say, because this way he gets feedback from his uh, platform readers' audience on on the ideas, whether they resonate or not. And um, eventually they will all coalesce into a straightforward narrative in in the book. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm subscribed and i'm always looking forward to want to see a new email from him oh
0: we have the secret now we'll have to let's we'll to try to find that link and stick it in the show notes but yeah, um definitely. hey i we uh unfortunately got to wrap things up but i really enjoyed talking with you
1: it, it was my pleasure brian thank you for having me so
0: again uh if people want to try to find your book what's it called again
1: Test-driven development in Swift. Uh, okay. I put up uh, a little website for it. It's tddinswift.com. Should be should be easy to find. Um, people can find more about me at uh, geo.codes. That's G-I-O.codes. And and there's all the links to what I write um, and other, like, you know, GitHub and Twitter in there.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And uh, I wish you luck on the finalizing of your book.
1: Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Geo. Great chat and good luck with the book. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Join them at testandcode.com slash support. Thank you, Datadog, for sponsoring. Get started with a free trial at testandcode.com datadog, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Those links are in the show notes at testandcode.com 158. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.